Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Radio Memories Network is brought to you in part by Liberated Syndication. Podcast publishing made easy. Libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Thrillers, thrilling mystery, espionage, and political intrigue? Step into the world of action and psychological twist. Join us as we go back to the early days of radio and our imaginations with our featured thriller presentation. Episode 5 Blackmail. An extensive nationwide search is underway for ex-SAS agent Terry Prince, which so far he's evaded. Now he's making his way out to a mansion in Oxfordshire the setting for a deed he's been blackmailed into carrying out. And there's something overhead. It's a helicopter, watch out! Get down, Chris! Is it gone? Yeah. But do you reckon it saw us? Sir James Simpson. Speaking. Miss Taylor here, Sir James. Yes. You asked me to keep you informed on the search for Terry Prince. And? Nothing, I'm afraid, Sir James. We've had roadblocks up, all the main railway stations watched. We've even had helicopters out, but there have been no reports of anything. I see. That's the whole problem, isn't it? Sir James? The other side are professionals, we're amateurs. Everything all right down at your mansion, Sir James? Lovely weather we're having in London. Of course everything's all right. Security people should be arriving here in about half an hour. Yes. And you, Sir James? sitting here in my study, trying to work out what's been happening, preparing for all this business tomorrow. Yes, Sir James. I'll be on the 6.52 down from Paddington this evening. Gets into Oxford at 7.41. I'll be coming down with Mr Fortescue. No, him. I'll send a car to pick you up. Thank you. Everything else all right, Miss Taylor? Everything's fine, Sir James. Just fine. You want the binoculars? Anything happening at the mansion? Yeah, whole lot. The ivy on the west wing has grown at least half an inch since you last asked. God, it's hot. Still, at least there's no helicopters about. Yeah, we're lucky that one missed us. Yeah. Anyone about down at the mansion? Uh, not a soul. Swimming pool's smooth as a baby's bottom. If I had a high-powered rifle with infrared sights, I could pick the target off from up here. That's not the point, is it, Terry? We're meant to go down there and talk to him, engage him in a meaningful face-to-face -face dialogue. Yes, Chris. Are you sure this is the best location for watching the mansion? Perfect. We're up on the downs, at a superior elevation to them. The walls of this Iron Age fort give us perfect cover. 
And as they get suspicious while they're trying to get across the Thames at us, we'll be making our getaway. Mm. I wonder how much Thameside mansions are fetching these days. Why? You're going to make it socialist attack HQ if your mob takes over the country? A weekend retreat, maybe, so that all the dear comrades can rest their weary bones after a week's hard revolutionary action. Typical. The closest you mob will get to the grassroots is watching others mow the lawn. Don't mistake us, Terry. We're deadly serious. Yeah, look at this. Bit of excitement at last. What? Take the binoculars. In that posh bungalow next to the mansion, the old geezer's cutting his roses again. <laughs> Executing them more like. Right. It's not his roses. He's angry with, though, but his gardener. Ah, pretty boy. Yeah, yeah. Take the binoculars. Thanks. The old bloke turns round, see? Snarls a few words and then turns back to hack off a few more blood-red roses. Surprised he isn't using a chainsaw. Uh-uh. What? The gardener's had enough. He's mincing off back to the house, really stamping his feet. Oh, that's enough bizarre suburban sexuality for a while, Terry. What's happening back at the mansion? Oh. Yeah? A fat, sleek Range Rover's just drawn up. Radio aerials waving all over the shop. The every brigade's arrived. What, security? Hey, let's have a look. Hang on. Five rather smart young gentlemen step out. Shoulder holsters bulging under their arms. They just resist the temptation to do press-ups on the lawn. Set off keenly about the premises. Noses all a quiver, eyes on stalks. Yeah, let's see. Here. They're rubbish. They look competent enough to me. All looks and no delivery. Real pros, Chris, would turn up in a clapped-out escort with Dave and Sharon pasted on the windscreen. You wouldn't notice them till Sharon clobbered you with a brick in her handbag. Take a real look. That mob down there are hired to impress the boss, not the opposition. Their idea of action is escorting Arabs around Arabs. Probably do a really nice line in Odin's shopping bag. Are you sure? I've seen action, Chris, remember. What do we do now? Watch like orcs. All the rest of today, all through the night, for most of tomorrow. Work out their routine, their patrols. Reckon they'll be predictable? There's Wallace. They've got microchips for brains. <laughs> if only they knew what they was facing up here. Iron Age warriors in an Iron Age fort. Ah, oh, that's interesting. What? The swimming pool. Someone just dived in. Who? I do believe it's our gardener from next door. The pretty one. What a lot of pretty girls on the train, Linda. Have you noticed? Spotting pretty girls is more your line, Willie. Not with you sitting opposite me. My observations on this occasion are strictly objective. I deduce they're all trooping up to Oxford from May Ball. A young swain's due to meet them at the railway station. The rituals of courtship and romance. They have a certain air of nervous anticipation. Keep on licking their lips and checking their makeup in the mirror. You're getting nostalgic, Willie. Ah. Yes, indeed. Sweet memories of punting on the banks at dawn. Young ladies laid out before one in the punt. I do believe Sir James possesses a punt in his boathouse. Perhaps you and I might... Uh... Perhaps, Willie. Ever go to a May Ball while you're up at Oxford, Linda? Oh, I permitted myself to be snared into one or two, yes. Sounds unpleasant. Pimply young men, pretending to talk about existentialism while they led me off to the woods by the riverside and fumbled with my blouse. I'm the romantic, I think, Linda. You and your blood-red lipstick are the realist. If you're a woman in a man's world, Willie, you have to be. Life is not one long poker game, you know. You must occasionally let your hair down. Someday I'll let you see me with my hair down. Really? <laughs> <laughs> promises, promises. 
Talking about promises, how's the investigation going? A mess. Too much has happened for any of it to have a logical pattern anymore. Unless something comes out this weekend, we're facing a brick wall. Sir James will be finished. And what part is friend Sturley playing in all this? I haven't seen him, actually. You mean you don't possess the requisite plastic pass to a section? Oh, yes, I do. The minister insisted. But he's not there. Someone somewhere is playing a very devious game. I wonder is he suddenly going to be sprung on us at the mansion as a surprise witness? Appear like the ghost at the banquet, rattling all the skeletons in our respective cupboards. Any particular reason for saying ghost? Mere literary illusion? I came across something about Sir James in the files, Willie, as you requested. Yes? Only gossip, but fascinating. What? You remember Anatol, the high-level KGB defector who came across to her to Helsinki in 61, debriefed by the CIA? Of course. Well, in one of the debriefing transcripts, he refers to an old piece of KGB gossip. Apparently, in the late 40s, Sir James was spotted in Morocco in the company of one Guy Burgess. Guy Burgess? Now, don't get too excited, Willie. As you know, Anatov is usually regarded as a double agent, planted on us to sow disinformation. Yes, but part of the art of disinformation is to mix truth with the lies. Sir James and Burgess might, as the saying goes, just have been good friends. Sir James is just about the last survivor of that whole 30s generation. You mean... Well... He keeps it immaculately discreet, of course, but in as far as he has any time for either sex, he's always shown a distinct preference for the boys. Rather rough, treacherous young boys, that. I didn't know that. You mean... He and Guy Burgess might have been in Morocco for pleasure rather than business. Who can tell? It is part of the paranoia of spying that we all end up chasing our own tails. We believe we are run by the KGB. The KGB doubtless believes they're run by us. It does mean, though, that Sir James is vulnerable to blackmail. Indeed. To anyone who's had access to the files over the years. Yes. Perhaps I will come for a ride in your punt, will you? Cool, look at them stars. Yeah? In the sky, dummy. Reminds me when I was stationed out in the desert. Some nights, after we got back from patrol, I'd take some hooch. Just walk off, way out among the dunes. Lie down and stare up into these heavens. It was like the old sky was on fire with stars. And as I drank the scotch, a fire would start in me. And the fire in me would start to reach up, out into the fire up there. We blaze away till we became one. Very poetic. Ever stop to think what you were doing out there as a mercenary in Arabia, Terry? Chris? I'll tell you. Anyone who was standing up to defend their own way of life, their principles, and was saying, this is my country, I want some say in the way it's run, you were paid to kill by some fat cat Arab sheik who loved his country so much he kept all his wealth in a Swiss bank account. Now that's disgusting. <sighs> it wasn't like that, Chris. The tribesmen we was fighting alongside, they was poor as church mice. You never saw the bigwigs. Yeah, the rich can always hire the poor to fight the poor. Look at you, a poor kid yourself, brought up in poverty, hiring yourself to the rich to keep down the poor. Part of it was wrong, Chris, I know. But you don't understand the feel of the desert. Out there, it's just human beings and the elements. Takes you in on yourself, owns you down a place like that. 
rubs you raw. So in the end, you've got to face the truth about yourself. Oh, very pleasant for yourself, Terry. A nice way to pick up some free therapy. Get your head in shape while all those around you are losing theirs. And it was the desert where I learnt to educate myself. Read books. About blooming Oliver Cromwell and Kingdom Brunel. What's wrong with Oliver Cromwell? If you want examples of exploitation, privilege, you don't have to go back 300 years, Terry. It's here, now, all around you. But this whole world's a book. All you've got to do is to learn how to read it. Yeah, I suppose you want me to read that boring old twat Karl Marx. It's not boring. He's the most exciting stuff ever written. Yeah, I tried him once. Or try anything once. Nearly curdled me brains, I did, trying to follow a thought from one sentence to the next. Like swimming through treacle, it was, and slowly drowning. How much did you get through? Oh, about three pages, I think. Ah, give me Oliver any day. A proper Englishman. Wrote proper English for proper Englishmen. There's an appalling streak of Little Englandism in you, Terry. Runs through you like seaside rock. Yeah, well, unlike you, Chris, I'm proud I'm English. You're proud enough to think you're some Arab tribesman fighting the imperialists. You'll be over the moon if they invited you to join the IRA and blow up some British squaddies. Oh, come on. But you're ashamed of being what you are, English. I'll ignore all that latest stuff, Terry. I was brought up in the commuter belt, so I know all the nastier side of being English, thank you. But getting back to you saying I'm proud to be English, yeah? proud of what exactly? Proud to be poor, trodden on, exploited? That's the worst part of it. All the rich and the powerful in this country have got to do is wave a Union Jack and you, the working classes, are trotting along right behind them. When I talk of England, Chris, I'm not talking of the rich and powerful. I mean the ordinary English. The blokes and missuses, the old and the young. Out on their streets and fields, with their problems and happinesses, their decency. That's why I love them. That's why I live among them. The English proletariat are sheep. They'll do anything their betters tell them. They've sold out. With those sort of attitudes, Chris, maybe you should be in the Tory party. <sighs> Ever read John Milton when you was up at Oxford getting an education? What he'd got to say about the ordinary English? What he'd seen of them as they had their revolution? I've got it cut into my heart. Behold now, this vast city, a city of refuge, mansion house of liberty, encompassed and surrounded with God's protection. Oh, dear. The shop of war hath not there more anvils and hammers waking to fashion out the plates and instruments of armed justice in defense of beleaguered truth than there be pens and heads there, sitting by their studious lamps, nursing, searching, Revolving new notions and ideas wherewith to present, as with their homage and fealty, the approaching reformation. Sitting in front of their tellies, reading page three of the sun, more like. Methinks I see in my mind a noble and puissant nation, rousing herself like a strong man after sleep, and shaking her invincible locks. Methinks I see her as an eagle, mewing her mighty young and kindling her undazzled eyes at the full midday beam. You're a hopeless romantic, Terry. He was writing about the English, Chris. The revolutionary English. Ever spare a thought for all the Iron Age warriors buried about us in this fort, wild Celts in love with freedom, fighting the Romans? It's all around us, our history. The English striving for freedom. You know what they call that old trackway on the downs behind us? The M4? The Ridgeway. Oldest road in Europe, they say. Been in use 5,000 years. They built it so they could walk along the roof of the world on it, from Wiltshire down into Norfolk, all across the land. 
Named it the Milky Way because if you walk from west to east, you've always got the stars before your eyes. So? So it's been forgotten, Chris. Climbing on hills, seeing visions. Something I learnt in the regiment. You can wander on top of the old hills of England for days. Hardly see a soul. Everyone's fled from the heights in modern England, down into the valleys and towns where it's safe, where you don't dream dreams, see visions. You just watch telly. I've got this vision, see. One day, the English returning to the hills, feeling the wind, seeing the stars, overthrowing their oppressors, an army, a guerrilla army. Shut up, Terry. You are the most confused, silly person I've ever met. One hard, simple lesson. Modern political power in England is held by hard men in Whitehall, Westminster, the city of London, in cities and factories. It isn't held by loonies wandering the hills. Grow up. Sorry, Chris. Well, I know I'm ignorant. Didn't have an education like you. If we get out of this, Will you give us a proper education? Tell me what books to read. We've got to get out of it first. I am on your side, though. No one's ever meant more to me than you, Chris. I ate them people down in the mansion as much as you do. Terry. Yeah? When we get down there, we've got to behave sensibly. Rationally, OK? The British establishment isn't going to be rattled by a private vendetta, but by public exposure. Let me do the thinking. Yeah, Chris. OK. Well, isn't it time we were moving down? Getting into that wood by the swimming pool. It's only a couple more hours to go before dawn. Right, let's move from our <laughs> little university amongst the stars. Morning, Fortescue. Ah, James. And a lovely one it is, too. You're up early. You appear to be jogging. Indeed. Three miles round and round the garden. I always find public displays of exercise a trifle gross. Private gymnasiums were specifically constructed for physical exertion. Jogging helps open the pores and clear the brain, or so they say. Your brain is certainly going to have to be crystal clear today. Which is why I'm jogging. I noticed security was very tight about the house. I ordered the mansion and the gardens down to the river to be sealed off so we could avoid any disturbance. A professional team are doing it. They certainly look keen and alert. Two of them were going one way around the house while I was going the other. Never smiled once. Good. I did notice, though, that the swimming pool didn't seem to have anyone watching it. It's away from the house. Uh, scarcely a security risk. In any case, I have an agreement with my next-door neighbour. We share it. Oh. That'll explain it. What? While I was jogging past, I noticed a young man out there. Sunbathing. At the uh, swimming pool? Quite noticeable, actually. Lying there without a stitch on. Rather arrogant, I thought. Is he uh, still there? Left, while I was still pounding the gravel. Oh, which way? I was round the other side of the house when he finally disappeared, I'm afraid. Uh, probably my neighbor's gardener. Uh, I heard he got a new one. That modern house next door is a bit of an eyesore. Sort of stockbroker bungalow. I fought it tooth and nail when they first proposed building it. Stuck up by one of those wretched property speculators in the early 70s, all gold cufflings and new jaguars. Fortunately, he went bankrupt. Since then, he's changed hands quite regularly. Who's got it now? A retired fellow. 
keeps himself to himself. Moved in about six months ago. Certainly keeps his lawns and roses in beautiful condition. Uh, yes. There he is, the gardener. Walking across the lawn, see? Ah, uh, uh, yes. I suppose that's his employer walking with him. Your neighbour? Yes. Well, I better be going in. Get changed. Yes. Coming, Sir James? Uh, no, I, I think I'll stay out here just a little bit longer. So, this is the ward machine pistol. Yeah. An evil-looking brute. Not the world's most handsome shooting iron, no. It's not designed so you can pick your target off with one elegant shot. This monster hoses them down beneath tidal waves of lead. <laughs> Fires 40 rounds a second. Means you aim in their general direction, pull the trigger, and they sort of disintegrate before you. You don't really need any skill to use it. Yeah, same the whole world over, Chris. A skilled craftsman's had his day. Yes. Don't point that contraption at me, Chris. Rule number one. What's that? Uh, undergraduates, sir, uh, punting on the river. Maybe we should move a bit further into the water. Uh, no, no, this'll do fine. We're well hidden. <laughs> This is the silencer, Terry. This is the safety catch? Yeah. Chris, I told you not to... But don't take that safety catch off. Chris. Terry. What are you doing? Pointing a ward machine pistol at you, Terry. The safety catch is off. The silencer is on. Chris. I'm replacing you on this mission, Terry. Uh, the reasons are purely objective, nothing personal. Uh, I like you, despite all your quixotic patriotism. <laughs> but this is a political decision. You bastard. You and your mates are working for the department, aren't you? No, Terry. They're working for us, though they're too stupid to realise it. You let them shoot your mate, the editor. It was an, an objective sacrifice. Compromises with the hegemonic class are occasionally called for, and so are personal sacrifices. Jack would have understood. I don't believe Keep this. your voice down. You're no different from the department. Oh, that is a compliment. We want power, Terry. The English establishment have had it. The corrupted feet, historically ripe for overthrow. All that's needed is the will. Yeah, my Führer. In a decent society, Terry, which we intend to build, you would have received sufficient political education. Indoctrination. Education to be able to objectify your situation. Realise its historical necessity. You would accept. God save me from education. Yeah, the answer I would have expected. Let me explain. Elements in our group reached an understanding with a tendency within the department, through intermediaries, of course. They wished the present leadership and other tendencies within the department to be discredited, destroyed. They arranged the leak, the shooting. In return, we supplied the natural outrage at such actions, and you. I've kept them informed throughout on your movement. So that's how they knew where I was. Why was my brother killed? What was the objective necessity for that? Uh, I've not been informed on all sections of the operation, but I should imagine, Terry, he was removed to keep your lust for revenge on the boil, to ensure you, in the end, had no choice but to come to me. Who planned all this? One Fortescue, Terry. Also, my intermediaries tell me, a, a senior member of the department. And who are we chatting to this evening? Uh, not chatting to, Terry. Killing. Uh, and it will be me, not we. Sir James Simpson himself, head of a discredited department. Oh, it will be nice to see him at last before I shoot him. As a true decadent, he is to be lured to the swimming pool by a naked young man swimming in it. And do you and this Fortescue really think you're going to get away with this? This is England! 
You can't slaughter off a government department and expect nobody to notice. Ah, oh, that's where you come in, Terry. Playing your usual dim but doggedly patriotic role. The patsy. The secret, the, the top secret investigation will conclude that Sterley double-crossed you by shooting the editor. In revenge, you declared general war on the department, shooting out left, right and centre. Ex-mercenaries do have a certain reputation for being unbalanced. Eh? But before you can be questioned, you will be discovered shot beside the swimming pool, presumably by an overzealous security guard. You've gone quiet, Terry. Just thinking. What? That you're a mug. How long do you reckon this Fortescue geezer will let you oh, live? Quite a while, I should imagine. I've enough incriminating tapes and documents in a way to ensure my safety. It's rather the reverse. I and my group have such a hold on him, we will be the effective controllers of internal security. And where do the poor bloody working classes come into all this? From what I remember, you used to claim to be fighting on their behalf. As I've tried to tell you, Terry, several times, the English working classes have been irredeemably corrupted by bourgeois values. They need a vanguard. We are that vanguard. You mean Oxford and the upper classes form the vanguard, just like the old establishment? That's a subjective judgment, Terry. I liked you, Chris. A lot. Admired your mind, your courage. Yeah. Well, as an ex-mercenary, Terry, you of all people should understand the occasional objective necessity of death. Huh? All in a day's work. What are you staring at? I don't want to excite you or nothing, Chris. Some people are coming through the wood behind you. Don't try that old trick on me, Terry. Careful with that trigger, Chris. Told you we should have gone further into the wood. Keep very still, Terry. Nice-looking young couple, Chris. Look as though they're only interested in one thing, though, and they've chosen our tree to do it under. Oh, bloody undergraduates. Probably thought their punt was a bit out front. How about under this tree? <laughs> Where's the champagne? Oh, oh, Henry, you've dropped it. <laughs> Join me on the grass for the coup de grace. <laughs> for one second, Chris glanced round. I leapt. The gun fell away on the grass. <laughs> Two couples lie on the grass on opposite sides of the tree, grappling clumsily with each other. One couple is silent, the other less so. Birth, copulation, death. I was closer to Chris than to any man I knew. There is no bile in the throat, no pain in the gut, more bitter than the taste of betrayal. It blinds, drowns you deep down into a dark, murky river. As my unknown helpers drink deep at their cup of joy, I drain the dregs of mine. Silent, I lift Chris's body, lay it to rest beneath some undergrowth, disappear into the darkening woods. Boudicca calling, Boudicca calling. Emergency, come in, please, Boudicca. Boudicca, yes? Chris Wyndham, we've just found his body. Hidden in the undergrowth about half a mile west of the house. Where's Terry Prince? Wish I knew. Somewhere in this wood. Find him. Eliminate him. Understood? Yeah. Immediately. It is vital he does not make that rendezvous at 2300. It's 20.30 already. Do you understand? Yeah. Message received and understood. Eliminate Terry Prince. Boudicca out. In the end, all you have is yourself. All contact, all human communion is burnt, scorched from your flesh. 
I shall go on. The soft, dark woods surround me like a gentle mother, protecting me, concealing me from those who hunt me. A truth to find, a revenge to take. was Deep Six by John Fletcher. And tomorrow, in the final episode, Terry's out for revenge and prepares to fight outside Sir James's mansion. <laughs>